Hi, welcome to Blended Therapy. I'm your host, Robin Smith, and welcome to episode one. So like this has been a major part, um, just the journey for me just to get this podcast going. So I'm so excited to talk about the topic of learned love in episode one, because for me, that's the whole, that's a huge, huge, huge part of being in a blended family. Understanding that these types of relationships are learned um, and that there's a big misconception when you get together. No one talks about, this is a learn, the fact that this is a learned love, right? So I'm just gonna talk about first the biological child relationship and that's called a biological connection. It's different it's unique and it's a close connection or most of the time it it is right now there are some atypical situations but we're not talking about just the atypical but in general it's a unique close connection and so the step parent step child relationship that is actually built over time it is just as valuable understand that but it is built over time and i think that there is a lot to be said and learned about that. There's a lot to say for people to understand that, a lot of grace that goes with that. And so I want to dive right in to talk about that this this topic. So I I first want to say that there are quite a um there their expectations, there are immediate expectations of um love unconditional love when parents get married to another parent that's not the child's parent or when there's a blended family situation, right? So we know we have our children and then we have our stepchildren. What the parents actually will do is that they will put a lot of weight on their spouse to manifest and show unconditional love to their biological child. Not knowing that, I think, honestly, it's impossible. It's impossible to like put someone on like automatic in terms of love. Not because of the fact that this is not a biological connection, right? You actually have to blend, literally blend together, learn together, grow together, hurt together, and for that love connection to actually cultivate and grow. And so just like they say in relationships or anything like love is a verb, it's an action, it's a doing. And I think when it comes to blended families, there's a lot of weight put on the, the spouse that comes in from either direction that you should automatically love my child. That is not true. And I hope that this is really conveyed to you guys to understand, to give grace to one another in terms of your spouses, to know that um, it's not going to be an immediate love bond. Um, Here's the thing. Relationships are reciprocated. Uh, It was very, very, very hard, let's say, in my personal situation, because when I married my husband, I had a young son. He had young children, um, two girls and two boys. Three of them um, came to live with us immediately after, or if not long after we got married and they came full time. 
So you're talking about 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Now we have this family that's supposed to, that's like glued together and we're supposed to be this amazing thing. And it was, it was just a, a difficult thing to try to live through. So my children, um, they didn't really want, I would say at that age, they didn't want another mother and my son probably didn't want another father, right? So then the children, um, it's very hard for stepchildren to bond with the step parent, especially when they're with each other on, when they feel like, okay, now I'm stuck in this situation on a daily basis versus children that know, okay, I'm only here for two or three days every other week or one or two days during the week, and I can go back to this parent, and there's some shared parenting, there's an even um, time sharing, and they kind of feel like they're getting the best of what they can from both parents, right? But when you're with the step-parent and the stepchildren every day, the children and the parents may feel like, okay, this is harder than I thought, and when am I gonna maybe get relief when can I spend time with my biological child? When can I, when, and the children are like, when can I spend time with my biological parent that's in the house? So there's a tug of war there where you feel like, okay, I'm suffering. I need the attention. As a child, they're like, on a daily basis, I need, I don't have that. And as a spouse, you might feel the same. For me, for me in particular, it was challenging because I really wanted time with my spouse and my children. We like had a lot of kids in the home at the time. There were seven of them. And so I had a baby and then I was nursing him and then I was working and then my husband had, you know, the responsibility of dealing with the children a lot more because he had more flexibility with um, his work and what he was doing. And so by the time I was getting home, you guys know this in any situation, you it's wash, rinse, repeat. You get up, you go to work, you come home, you eat, sleep, bathe, whatever, bathe and sleep and then go to go to bed, right? But in a blended family where you have such a high volume of people in the home who need a lot of attention and everyone deserves that, you're always trying to figure out who do I give it to at what time and when. And then you have this super amount of guilt because you feel like you cannot give your biological child what you think they need. You just feel that heavy guilt factor. And so it's a daily trying to, it's a da daily survival thing of, okay, I got to do what I got to do. I got to be a mother, a wife or a husband. And the kids are like, I got to do what I got to do. I got to survive through this, be a child, be a, a, a sibling to a, a, a stepbrother or a stepsister. And I got to try to beg for attention or get it. So what I, I just want to say, um, give grace to one another in terms of that, because it's not going to be automatic. It takes years, in my opinion, of going through things um, of therapy, of support groups, things like that, that really could help the parents out. 
from instead of putting the pressure on the parents or building resentment because that's where it's going to go because it's going to be like, oh, you don't love my son or daughter the way that I do and I see it and I see how you interact with yours and I see how you don't interact the same way with mine or you don't, you know, or vice versa. It's always that protective thing that comes in just even in general with children, especially step children and step parenting, right? But imagine that on a daily basis. Imagine that there's no break from that. There's no, oh, okay, I can breathe up. How many more days do I have to get myself together? And how much time do I have to uh, spend in quality time? Because I know that that person's time is going to be split. And um, I know I got to like really, really try hard to make, put in this verb factor of the learn love but when it's a daily thing, how do you survive through that? I'm interested in some advice that you may have for um, this podcast. I'm interested to know, get some tools on just that. Of course, I'm going to automatically go to prayer. I'm going to automatically go to the fact that you have to believe in something higher than yourself to know that you're there for a purpose, for a reason. If God did not trust you to be there to parent those children or that child, he wouldn't put, put you there. So he trusted you enough. He trusted you enough to do that, to perform that task for such a time as this or that. And so that is going to be my first point of reference, right? Um, prayer, understanding God's purpose for you in that situation and knowing that it's such an honor to be trusted in that, like walking in that, walking in that um, honor, I would say. And again, I talked about giving grace, right? We need to give grace to the other spouse. We need to actually allow them to have that time with that child alone, whether it's to advocate or um, promote time alone with that child in terms of going on a date have date night with that child alone once a week, every two weeks, rotate it. We did that um, in seasons where we would take each child, we put them on a schedule and we would take them out to dinner where they could be themselves with that parent, that biological parent and the, uh, the step parent where they could build that relationship and cultivate a safe space, cultivate, cultivate safety. So I think that worked out really well in terms of that parent-child relationship, and in turn, it will overflow in your marriage. So let's go ahead and go to, so I, I talked about how spouses can help each other and the pressure that they put on each other about expecting automatic unconditional love versus it, this being a learned love. The stepchildren have to go through the same thing with each other. So if you're in a situation where, let's say, it might be mm, battle of the firstborns or battle of hierarchy, or in our situation, you might have had the older three, there was the first, the middle, and the baby. And on my end, the same. Now they're all blended. Who goes where? What, what place do I have? There's no middle child. Who's the oldest? Now we got to go by age. So now someone is displaced in their identity already within the family. And I noticed that that was very, very hard. The baby wasn't the baby anymore. And so those traits were already instilled and developed, um, especially in my oldest son. 
he was the baby in his first core family group with his mother. And so when we merged as a blended family, he suffered like I've not suffered in a way like, oh, like suffered for just suffering. He didn't know how to be now the oldest boy in the home. So he went from being the baby. He had his two other older sisters. And then when we blended, he became the oldest boy out of a total of five boys. Now, imagine the fact that he not only had to change his role, he had to now develop courage. He had to, uh, more courage because he was coddled more as the baby boy and the baby in, in his first family core unit. And so now he had to learn things to stand up and, and be strong for his younger siblings. And he had a different role to play. And I truly feel like that was very hard for him. Very hard. He internalized a lot. He was quiet most of the time because I don't even know that he wanted to be where he ended up. He was used to being the not only the only boy, but the baby. And so again, there's a big displacement. So now when you have the other siblings, you can form, just like the adults and spouses with each other, resentment, okay? So now there might be, okay, it's us against them or us against him or her or me against you, against you within the family unit. And so now you have the parents on standby trying to see and play the judge, the, uh, the referee looking around like, okay, nope, nope, you be nice, you do this, and no, that's not fair. Okay, you can say as a parent, we do this no matter what type of family unit, but in a blended family, it's magnified. It's magnified on learning and, and talking about rules because the rules are layered. The rules are... Pur very purposeful on caring and loving the other person, even though you know that they're not your blood relative and you're, you're stuck together. And so you've got to figure out how to make this thing work. So I have a funny, funny, funny story. It's so funny. Our family laughs about it all the time. Our oldest daughter, Brianna, our oldest son, um, second oldest son, Christian, they fought all the time because when we got together, um, Christian was my oldest, my firstborn, and Brianna was my husband's firstborn. And so they fought every day because they were trying to actually battle for hierarchy in terms of who's the oldest and who sets the rules and who leads the pack, right? So one day, um, my husband sat them down, uh, sat Brianna down and said, okay, you're going to sit here on this couch and Christian, you're going to come and you're going to sit on her, on her lap. And you guys are going to actually like bond together and stick together like glue for however long it takes for you guys to decide that you are not going to fight and tussle over a title every single day. And you're going to try your best to start showing humility and love. I'm paraphrasing, you know, but just um, as I'm recollecting the event or the, and the situation, it was, um, it was amazing. And we all learned a lot that day. So he made Christian sit on her lap like, like as if you're going to sit on Santa Claus's lap or come here, you know, sit on my lap. And he made her put his, he made him put his arms around her neck. He made her put her arms around his waist. So she was like holding him like a parent would hold a child or and it 
was for hours. They sat there for hours and he did not let them move until he felt like they spent enough time to learn that this is it. This is us on a daily basis. And how are we going to make this work in the situation that we're in? So sometimes we do have to force them um, strategically to get it together, to bond together, to do things together. And that was just so funny because they laugh about it now. They're in their, their early 20s and they're like, remember that time when dad made us sit with each other and, and for hours and everybody in the house would like go and visit them and just laugh and chuckle and hey, how's it going, Brianna and Chris? And that was just so funny, but it was so brilliant and unique. So kudos to um, for, for dad for doing that. And I think that they're much better together, even just because of that one seed, that one start to make them get bond and glue together. So let's talk about some strategies that um, really, I feel like worked for us and that, you know, could definitely work for blended families. So one of the things that we really focused on was having them all do team sports together. So in that, we're talking about learned love, right? So in learned love, you have to actually learn how to live together, but you actually have to create a, a medium for them, a place, a platform for them to, to actually do things together to learn more about each other so they can build that, that sense of community or relationship. That's like on any team, if you're playing on a sports team or doing something together for, for, months and years at a time, you develop this type of bond and relationship, a sense of trust, right? So when it came to us, team sports were big for us. If they were playing football, the boys were playing football, the girls were cheering. They all played soccer together. They, um, the boys played baseball. And in that time, I don't think the girls played, you know, softball, but they were cheering for them on the sidelines or doing something else else themselves. Um, we at our church, they had a basketball team. All of the kids played basketball together. Um, so then they eventually ended, um, as they were coming out of high school, playing basketball all of the time on, on different teams within their age groups. But what I will say is that I feel like when they got home, they had something to talk about. In the car, they had something to talk about. On the way there, preparing for the event, they had something in common that they could share with each other and bond in that way. And so that really helped them out. I would also say like, if you have a sense of community within your church, that is going to be amazing between youth groups, Sunday school, choir rehearsal, things like that. Like we just dove in full, like 100% just because we needed them to do it together and know that we're in this, you know, we are in this and we're going to do this together. So in the choir, they were singing the choir, singing in the choir together. They were in the church, um, in the band and in parades and they had different instruments. Now they had their own individual groups, their little small groups based on their age, but they still had a common thing that we made sure that they were all involved in or a common place so that, that those relationships could grow and cultivate. Um, another thing was family chores at home, right? So having a big family, um, 
you they would have to team up on days. So let's say, for example, you're struggling with having your children do things together. Well, if you have chores, I'd honestly suggest you pair them up or strategically switch them from their, if it's multiple children from their regular, bio, their biological um, sibling and team them up with the stepchild and vice versa, right? And on days they may need to be just bonding with their own sibling and bonding um, with, you know, a parent on a separate day. But when it comes to chores, even the parents can jump in and help with the chores. So there are times where my um, husband would jump in and do the dishes to help out, or I would do something else to help out and try our best to blend the family in that way. So grouping together in teams and um, with sports at church, with chores, things like that, those are all ways that you can really try to cultivate that platform for a beautiful learned uh, love. And I just really feel like um, it's it can be a challenge if you don't know that this is not going to be automatic. It can be a challenge if you if you feel if you have those expectations on each other as adults and even as children, it's going to be a challenge. So the goal is to actually look at the challenges, try to troubleshoot them, talk about it, um, figure it out. Having family meetings was one thing that we did in seasons. And so another thing, when you have family meetings, you also want to allow each child to have a voice, right? So if we have a topic that we're talking about, you want to have each child say what they say their piece. Like, Caleb, what did you think about this situation? We had a situation where um, one of our sons had, was friends with a bully. And then because he was friends with a bully and saw that and was being bullied himself, he was bringing that home to his um, siblings. And so we had to decide, okay, not only do we have to stop this connection with the bully, we have to actually talk to our children about it, explain about bullying, how it's not allowed, and ask their opinion about the situation, and we let them all talk about it. And so I, I think that's a beautiful thing when you can give your children a voice, because when they have a voice, when they know that you respect their voice when they're younger, they respect themselves as, as they get older. They know that, um, that they can be heard and that what they say is valid and what they say is is respected. So that is another thing that I'd highly advise is having family meetings as often as you can with that. I know there are stress loads. I know that um, parents, we're working. I know that there are single parents, they're, um, they're blended families where the, parent, the, the caregivers are not even the parents. They are grandparents. They are aunts and uncles. So this applies to all of you guys. I hope that this really helped. I hope that um, you can comment and let me know. Hey, I don't, I, this works great. Hey, this didn't work great. Hey, did you think about this? How about you try this? This worked for my family. So let me know what you think. And I look forward to seeing you on episode two. Thank you so much and have a great, great day.